Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. episode 27 and we are joined by the brilliant Lloyd Hutchinson. It's a really fantastic chat Um, I think you're going to like it more that in a second. I do want to say thanks so much for your emails and your messages and your tweets about Poppy Miller episode 26 last week and a massive thanks to Poppy for making time when she was really busy packing up and move into New York to start rehearsals for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And yes, we are going to check back in with Poppy over Skype in a few months' time just to see how she's going on. It should be really interesting. And thanks again, Poppy. What else this week? It was Oscar nomination time, which is always interesting. But this year, thrilled that homegrown talent is being recognised and there really should be one name on everybody's lips and that is the phenomenal Daniel Kalua for Get Out Best Actor nomination. Get in. I am really chuffed to bits with that. I'm also made up for Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water and of course it was a given, it was going to happen but I'm really, really, really chuffed to bits for Martin McDonough for three billboards as well. And speaking of Martin, if you are in New York or you're going to New York between now and early March, get yourself along to the Atlantic Theatre. Martin's play Hangmen is in previews now and they have their opening night. They, They don't do a press night in New York. They have their open night early Feb. So I wanted to do a big shout out to Sally Rogers, Johnny Flynn, Matthew Dunster, Martin McDonough, Reese Shearsmith, Billy Carter, Mark Addy, and all the rest of the new Hangman cast. I hope you're having a ball because I know the audiences will. So uh, do get along to see that if you can get a ticket. Also, what else oh you know we have patreon.com forward slash two shot pod where you can go and give us some money to show your love and support and help us make these episodes well we have a lot of people doing that and we are truly grateful honestly we really are and it's january we don't expect people to do it but there are four people who have gone above and beyond they've given us a fair bit and we're really really thrilled so i want to do a big shout out to wendy wendy i haven't got your surname but i do have your twitter handle it's at i am wendy y'all bless you wendy thank you tara mollock you are very very generous for a rainy and cold january so thank you for supporting us lewis milroy welcome to the two shot pod family And Lindsay Genevieve, thank you so, so much. It really, really does mean a lot that you do this. But also, likewise, if you can't afford or you just don't want to, equally, that is fine. That you download and subscribe and you let us know that you're enjoying it or let us know that you're not enjoying it. It's it's fine. Either way, um, we're just thrilled that we can do this and you're here. What? Oh, one more thing. Uh, January the 30th, right? I've been asked to go on BBC Radio 5 Live with Phil Williams at 11.30pm 
to talk about the podcast and I'm sure we'll talk about other things as well. So if you can listen, it's 11.30, 30th of Jan, BBC Radio 5 Live with Phil Williams, or you can uh, catch it on the BBC Radio iPlayer. Enough of this blather. I'm so sorry this is a long intro. Producer Griff, I think we should get on to it. This is episode 27 with Lloyd Hutchinson. Sorry, one, 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 one thing, one thing, one thing. I should tell you, we recorded this in Soho. Uh, we had two pints of Guinness, one each, instead of a pot of tea because it was our last record just before Christmas. And it's a really special episode. I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll see you at the end. We'll have uh, a short debrief, okay? Producer Griff, please play the music. How's everybody at home? Eh? They're all great, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hardy's good. Just, so Hardy's got dyspraxia. Dyspraxia, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Callum, how's that? Yeah. yeah. So we're just... Um, he's got this eye test next week yeah. where we've had to pay for it and it's, it looks deeper in. Uh-huh. So we'll just see if there's any problems there. Right. Because he tends to add words when he's reading yeah. that aren't there. Yeah. Only for a bit and then he goes, oh, not that, and then he'll correct it. But he's reading through the roof. He's doing... Yeah, cheers, yeah. mate. Yeah, cheers, mate. Brilliant to see you. Thanks so much. Yeah, not Um... Are we rolling? We're rolling. Oh, fucking, let's see, that's it. <laughs> Cheers, Lloyd. Cheers, mate. Get it down, you. How are you? I'm good. I'm freezing out there. Well, that's, that's why you're sporting your winter face. I exactly. love it. Yeah, well, the, the, the beard. Yeah, that's the big, man. Beard. That's a big beard on the go here. And the hair. I look like one of the Dubliners. <laughs> <laughs> I've met, I've got a picture with me and the Dubliners. No way! Two of the Dubliners. Oh, Ronnie uh, Drew... I can't, yeah. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. um, we were, I was at. Uh, I went to a. Jewel, I was lucky enough to go to a Jules Holland oh, right. Nanny. But I won't say what happens. But I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the mystique. But anyway, I, we were, I was outside. I think I was smoking at the time. It was years ago, and I was outside. Uh, I met the Dubliners, and very nice and brilliant they were too. Oh, they're lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, one of their sons is an actor in Dublin. Fail him. Fail him. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ronnie Drew's son's an actor. But you're not from yeah. Dublin, are you? No, no. Well, born in Tyrone, grew up in Antrim, so about 20 miles outside of Belfast, you know, in the sticks. How was it there growing up? It was grand. I mean, it was, I mean, height of the troubles and all that. Yeah. But I never really experienced it or felt it or, you know, the, uh, all the, all the shenanigans that were going on. In fact, when I was growing up, it was quite uncool if you were sectarian in any way. Right. You know. So all my all my mates, all my mates in my group were like Catholics, Protestants, the lot. We were into our rock music, girls, <laughs> and that that was about it. Rock music and girls, and then the, the acting came after. That's what you should be into at that time. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Was your big family like you? That's I'm the youngest. Three of us, and I'm the youngest. I have two sisters. Eldest is seven years ahead of me. And the next one six. So yeah, I was the I was the little mistake that came along. Yeah, nineteen sixty seven. Summer of love. Great, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> always reminding my dad. You're close, close family. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah, we're really close. Me and my sisters. I mean, they. Uh, you know, they're they're business women in in, in Antrim still. They, oh, they're they still they still live over there. They're still over there, and uh, and. Uh, yeah, we're, I mean, when I get over, it's lovely. I try and get over when I can. I mean, all our parents are gone now, so, right. so I don't get over as much as I'd like to. Do they but pop over there and see sometimes, you? Sometimes, yeah, they'll pop over and see a play. Yeah. Whatever. You know, the odd time, if I'm doing something, you know, that's convenient for them, they'll they'll just jump on a plane and come over. It's only an hour away. I know, exactly. You're staring at my moustache here, because I bet you I've got Guinness all around the No, top. you haven't <laughs> at all. I'm just going, how long, you know, you'll see on the photos of this podcast, you'll see the winter face of Mr. Hutchinson. How, how big, how long did that take? Well, we went on holiday on <coughs> the 1st of August. Yeah. And I knew that I needed it for a play, so I started growing it. Was it for the seagull? 
This was for the seagull, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I just kept growing it and growing it. And then uh, um, there was a telly job I was doing it that needed it as well. Happy days. And I'm still doing that, so need the beard. It's staying. And it's staying. Although the looks I'm getting <laughs> from from my family. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Bracelet. I did a job once very early on, and I thought I was being very artistic by saying I think my character needs... Uh, he thought of himself as very Jamaican, so he should have cornrows in his hair, and I had to have them for three months. And the looks that I got, this big, lanky northerner <laughs> with some sort of Jamaican hairstyle oh, going around North London. Who suggested to you that? I that fucking was... suggested like an idiot. Yeah. I didn't offer because it pulls your hair. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. constantly yeah, pulling yeah, it no, back. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was the voice like that went with this hairdo? <laughs> It was the bell. I was basically doing, you know, old school Tilly rep. Oh, you know, I, I can't, I can't well, replicate that there. now. Moving on. How was school for you? Grand, yeah, yeah. lovely. I went, to, I went to the last grammar school built specifically to be a grammar school in the UK. Right. And from grammar. And, uh, well, that's what they told me anyway. I'm very happy, very happy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, grand, nice bunch of teachers did you kind of throw yourself into school were you just kind of very happy no and I look back now and I regret it that I wasn't a bit more studious you know what I mean yeah I could have worked harder I could have worked a lot harder and I just didn't I was always distracted by other things you know if it wasn't you know girls rock music like I said or it always seemed to me that school was getting in the way of me having as best time as (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can be happy, you know. So it really kind of... I never threw myself into my studies. Like but you, the way I encouraged my kids, too. I, oh, I didn't do that. And my, no. par- my parents would let me get on with it. Yeah. You know, if they went to, to parents' evening and all the teachers were... I mean, I was called a... What they call me? Hutchinson is a chancer. A chancer? A chancer. Oh, That's what they, such teacher words, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He's flippant... And he's a chancer. And my mother came back to me, <laughs> sat me down at the kitchen table and said to me, what is going on? What is going on? And, I was, you know, and that kind of summed up my school life. My but did you kind of go, yeah, no, they're right, yeah. Well, I, you know, they, would, they would have loved me to have been a better student. They would have loved me to have got a rake of all levels. Your parents? Or, yeah. yeah. Not so much my dad. My dad didn't really give a toss for one way or the other. What did your dad do? Oh, God, what did he not do? He did everything. He started his working life as a lemonade man, sold lemonade, graduated to ice cream. Then he was a grave digger for the local council. How have you gone from ice cream to grave digging? So he just took whatever came along. I mean, wow. this was this was, this was the sixties in, yeah. in Straban. Right. You know? So very quite poor and you did anything you could you get. He then got himself a corner shop in Derry. Right. This was this would have been in the late sixties, but he had a bit of a he had a bit of a problem with the old uh, the old gargle, my dad. Right. So, so he kind of drank it all away, <laughs> but he got off the booze eventually. Yeah. And got a steady job in the spin winding nylon factory in Antrim. It was like a new, it was a new town. Remember the yeah. new towns in the city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all the new industry, he got a job there, and he worked in the factory that created shag pile carpet. Really? Yeah. And then he did that for like from 68 until 83. And he came home. Time. Yeah, he came home one day and the job had gone. So right. that was that, the, that was the days when, you know, Thatcher was shutting down the manufacturing industries and whatnot. And he got on the, he got on the butt end of that. So. Did your mum work or did she sort of She was a nurse. Was she? Yeah. Uh, she worked in a, in a mental hospital. Just wow. outside. Yeah, yeah. Hard, so she, hard stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Did uh, you ever see that documentary years ago when Joe Brand went back to the old mental hospital where she used to work? It was just oh, sort no, of all no, closed down. No, it. Oh, it was haunting stuff. Yeah. yeah it, was there, it was a pretty... It was a pretty dark place. I mean, I think it, I mean, these places are much more progressive now. Yeah, I'm back sure. Back in the day, I mean, these were lockups with big keys. Yeah. And, you know, she used to bring me in to meet the, meet the, you know. The, did she take you oh, into she work? Take me in, yeah. What I mean, did you she, think of that? Well, I remember people were always very nice, and they were too nice. These are the patients that were very, very accommodating. Yeah, and would look at you and stuff. 
Well, in those days, you were told how they're just mad. Yeah. Know? But actually, they were all lovely. Yeah. But she she did that, and uh, and then eventually she got a job out on the community. So she became she was basically doing what she was doing in the wards, but on the community. Right. So she would drive around the glens of Antrim and going into like farmhouses and stuff of families where people had you know real mental problems. Yeah. Like schizophrenia and. Huntington's, and she would go in and provide the drugs and the medication for those families. And, yeah, stories. It's funny. I was talking about mental health the other day about you know back in the day, uh, any sort of signs when you're all you're all sort of uh, put in the same section. Yeah. Whereas now it's much more acceptable to go look. I, you know. Yeah, people are much more accepting of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, a good friend of mine, very well known on the on the telly, pres- uh, journalist, and he talks very openly about his depression and his, you know, his therapy and all the rest. But that would never have happened. No, twenty five years ago. No, know, no, 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 no. Was, you know, Everybody held it in. And, and sometimes it's a generational thing because I've spoken to much older people. Well, we wouldn't do that then. Or no, I've yeah, got this yeah. problem. We'll sort it out at home. I don't yeah, need yeah, to yeah. speak to the yeah. thought of going to speak to somebody who you don't know. Exactly. Just to try and get to the root of a problem yeah, or yeah, yeah. heal or solve or yeah. grieve or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, I think we would go, you know what? Yeah, it's accepted and I'm accepting of that. Yeah. But back in the day, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah. Well, that was what her, she eventually became the person who doled out the drugs. Right. On the community. And then they eventually. What did they do? They ended up running their own nursing home. So they, did they? They, they, they? they put all their eggs in one basket and built an old people's home. Oh, they built it from scratch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Just as I left drama school, just as I was leaving drama school, uh, they put the foundations in, you know. And they ended up doing all right out of it. Uh, but not when I was at bloody drama school. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back. So you, you finished sort of secondary school. Uh, when did the, the drama come into play, the acting? When did the rock music and the girls take a back seat? Well, they're still there. Okay? You know, they're still there. That's not just this, get rid of them. You know, they're all still part of my life, right in my DNA. Uh, I left school in 85, and of course I wasn't going on to university or anything because, you know, I just, <laughs> I, I had flunked yeah. my, my A-levels. I wanted to go to drama school. I knew that much. Right. So I used that year. So you so, put all your eggs in one basket as I well? I did, I put all my eggs yeah, in one basket. well, God, me, you, and about 50,000 other people. Yeah, I don't think there's any other way. I mean, I, I had sort of said to my parents that I wanted to be an actor, and they weren't into the idea of it at all. They just weren't. He he was, he would basically, you know, do whatever my mum said, you know. When she put the foot down and said, I, I don't want you to be an actor, you should get a proper job. I said, okay, I will get a proper job. So I applied to join the police. I applied to join. You did not. I did. I applied to join the RUC and got accepted. <laughs> and I was given a training date to go off and, and train. Now, of course, in the in the 1980s in Northern <clears throat> Ireland, if you were a single guy at the age of, what was it, 18, they posted you to the border, mm. you know, where... <laughs> yeah, And they did that for a reason, so that if you got shot, uh, there wasn't a massive kind of follow-on of, you know, wife and kids. And yeah, you know. yeah. So if you if you had a family in the RUC, you, you you I think you got an easier. Well, if there if it was such a thing as an At easier, time, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you got a more, you know, friendlier environment. So I enjoy that. I enjoy the RUC. I then confronted my parents with, "I've got a proper job. You wanted me to get a proper job. Here's my proper job." My mother burst into tears, saying, "I thought you wanted to be an actor." <laughs> Not what you made me do. <laughs> no, no. So she, they paid then for me to, to, they paid for the audition fees, which I think were about 50 quid. They haven't changed that much. No, I think even the, I mean, they might have gone up a little bit. There was still 50 quid. Yeah, there. 50 bloody quid. You Unbelievable. Know, there was a lot of money. And my dad, who was still taxi driving at the time, he had friends in British Midland. Do you remember that? Air, air yeah, air. yeah, yeah. And so he got me, I could fly back and forth for the additions on the jump seat behind the pilot. Oh my God, how brilliant. I know. So it was kind of cheap travel to get me back and forth. I only had to do it two or three times. Yeah. But, but uh, And when you came over, did you plan on sort of, sort of trying to audition for like a full few or did you have your heart set on that? afford to. No, of course not. I just couldn't afford to. I mean, um, 
I think I played to Rada and Central, and uh, and that was that was it. I mean, and there were no drama schools in Ireland with. So who of. was helping you, like, with the audition speeches? I had, uh, and, uh, well, I had my teachers, my old teacher, Alistair Smith. He used to take me through my um, speeches. Was he like. supportive of you? Did you say yeah, you, yeah, he was yeah. very supportive. They were supportive to a point, you know, my teachers back at home. They, they always felt that they couldn't really, you know, say to me, yes, go off and become an actor, because there was no, there was so... Insecure, and there was no money in it. Yeah, I felt that how could they, in all conscience, encourage me to be an actor? Yeah, I mean, I think those days too are gone. I think teachers are much more into the thing of what what makes you happy, and you know what yeah. creatively. I think so. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a shame that there's so much rubbish on the telly now with reality television, where young people are watching that and yeah. they're going, "Well, I just want to do that. What? Be famous? Yeah, I know. Does that mean? It's terrible. It's terrible." I mean, I said so old. No. I know, I just but, caught myself saying that. Yeah, no, no. But back in those days, I had like play for today, you know, every Monday or Tuesday night, there was a new piece of work on TV written by somebody like David Story or yeah. whatever. And, uh, and you had the BBC television Shakespeare, which I just, you know, gobbled up. I couldn't get enough of it. I, you know, all my mates would thought, you know, What's happened to Lloyd? <laughs> we never see him on a Saturday night anymore. Where is he? He's staying in to watch to Twelfth Night or something. You know, you know. But I, I look back now and think, what a like boys from the black stuff. Yeah. Oh you my know, god. I, I look back now and just think it was there was a wealth of great acting and writing on TV, and now it's hard to hard to see it amongst. But also, people. you know, something like Boys from the Black Stuff was. A social commentary about what was going on at that time, and it was speaking to those people. Yeah, absolutely political. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I think we're kind of quite frightened of that these days. Maybe I don't know. Somebody's frightened of it. Somebody's frightened of saying saying yes or giving the green light to something. Yeah, I'm sure there's people out there. You know, there's certain people out there with things to say. Yeah, absolutely. But everybody wants to be put in a box. I think these days. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, and true. There's a lot of people wanting to be. Famous, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, my ambition was I wanted to be in the RSC. I didn't want. To, <laughs> I wanted to join the Royal Shakespeare Company yeah. because I thought it was proper. You know, it wasn't. You know, I didn't want to particularly get on the box. You know. So you got accepted to Central. I got accepted to Rada actually. Rada. Yeah, I got to the very end of the Central auditions, and I was beginning just when I was beginning to think oh, this is easy. I got the knockback. So then I endured four months of uh, waiting from RADA because they were just moving from a seven-term course to a nine-term course. Right. And there was this sort of period of hiatus where uh, they, they were making the shift. So I had to wait a good three, four months before I found out that I got accepted. And you got accepted? I did, got accepted, and off I went in September... 86. And the government would have supported you then, wouldn't they? Yeah, I got what was called a discretionary grant. Yeah, I got one of those, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, mean, I was lucky. I mean, yeah. Um, because I did a bit of amateur drama as well out, out of Belfast, our little theatre company that we had in Belfast. And uh, we took part in a, in a one-act festival. Right. Competition. Yeah. And the play that we did won. And uh, one of the judges was the lady who was on the grant awarding body. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And she she came up to me at the end after I'd sort of, you know, I'd won the Best Actor Award. And she went, hello, Lloyd. I just want to tell you, I'm on the, the panel and uh, I'm handling your uh, application for RADA. You know, we're already thrilled. <laughs> oh, bro, that's it. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have scripted it. No. So you knew but, that was in the bag? I kind of knew it was, yeah. I, I mean, they, it wasn't a full grant. The, the fees back then were £1,200 a term, and they paid £1,000 a term. And they gave me £350 a term for, rent uh, and... for maintenance, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I look, I look back now and I go, God, bloody hell. You know, there's my kids just started uh, university, and... Uh, it's nine grand, nine grand a year for a, for a, you know, a BA, extraordinary. But then, you know, they come out at the end of university and they've got that massive debt. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But at least that's you know they're supported up to a point to to, yeah. uh, to at least give be given the chance to yeah train and educate exactly even more. Yeah, I'm, I find myself saying things to them though, like it's not really a bit. It's not one of the bad debts, John. This is my eldest boy. It's not really a really bad debt. I mean, they don't uh, you know they're not going to be breaking down the door to to get at you for it. You know, no, uh, it's it's more benign. But like you said, it's still a debt, a yeah. debt that I didn't have when I left. No. Drama school. No. Yeah. And how was it? How how did you find Rada? Well I well, I spent the first term fretting that they were gonna kick me out just for having a Northern Irish accent, you know. <laughs> I mean I genuinely was terrified that Did you ever have that thing of worrying that they've called the wrong person and they've made absolutely. the mistake? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I God yeah. Because I'd heard about it at other drama schools, you know. Yeah. So I, I started out on, on the first term, just going for it, you know, do, trying to be the model student. And it took me, it took me the guts of a year just to relax. Yeah. You know, and just get, 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 just free up a little bit. I mean, I had a great year. I mean, there was a great bunch of people. Yeah. And all very different. And I, you know, and also I had a lot of baggage to shake off. You know, if you come from, if you grew up in Northern Ireland during the 1970s and 80s, you know, uh, especially coming from the Protestant, you know, tradition that I did. Yeah. I kind of came to London a bit hemmed, a bit, you know. Yeah. So Where, I, were you wary? I, I, was, I was wary. I didn't realise that actually, as a Protestant, that, that English people uh, wouldn't ac- accept me completely. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I soon realised that actually every party in London is a party. They yeah. don't know whether you're Catholic or Protestant. You no. Know? So I, experience, I used to experience a little bit of that kind of, you know, wariness when I started. Um, but but it, I don't know, I just kind of, I relaxed it over the course of the year. You know, I had great people. We talked a lot about politics, lots about films and plays. I had, huge, you know, great influences, but I was just bombarded with literature. Yeah, and loads of information. Art. Yeah, yeah. I just loved it. I just <clears throat> gobbled it up. You know, I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was just, you know, going for it. And did that carry on throughout the rest of the course? It did, it did. Although, you know, then, of course, you know, the drinking starts, the smoking. The, the parties. Uh, the parties, plenty and, of parties. And they, the girls in the rock and roll come girls, back into play. Girls in rock and roll come back <laughs> I'm into sensing play. a theme already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that all came back in. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I had a great, great time. You know? And do you know that end, the... <clears throat> The the last year, the sort of the latter half of the last year, where tensions are mounting, and you're going right. Well, this is it. We're leaving. We're going out into the big wide world. Did relationships change? Because I know sometimes people get quite tense. I, well, yeah, there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of that went on. You mean Raddy had to do this thing called the tree evening, where you go. Tell off me and, about that. Well, it's this big evening. Where all the agents and casting directors and you know industry people come, they sit in the theatre while you and your your mates get up and do two speeches yeah. or two uh, or a speech and a scene from a play, you know. Yeah. And at the end of it, you know, you kind of meet everybody and oh, it's hope, so awkward. hope that uh, you know letters or email, you know letters from agents <laughs> are going to come, you know. And, God, I mean, some people in my year, I mean, like there was fucking bag loads of letters from agents, you know. Come with us. We want to represent you. Yeah, and like the rest of us, sort of leafing through. You know, lucky to get anything, anything, anything we this morning. Anything in your pigeonhole this morning? (laughs) No, Uh, I'm figures. The dreaded pigeonhole. Yeah. So everybody, you know. So there was a there was a little bit of that. I do remember. He won't he won't thank me for this, but one of my friends. (laughs) I remember. I remember he, he was a sort of very posh kind of English guy, and, he, and uh, on the night of the tree, and he went, "I fucking hate this! I hate this!" <laughs> and, What's the matter with you? He said, "All oh, my friends, all oh, my friends, look at you all acting like animals." <laughs> <laughs> we still don't tell him about that. Like, yeah, I mean, it was really funny, but uh, um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I was lucky in that I had managed to get a job. You know, before, before the end, yeah, I knew I was going on to a job and a couple of nice wee jobs, and so I knew that I was going to be leaving with a gig, yeah. an equity card, because back then, of course, yeah. those days, you had to get your equity card. So I had that and uh, and a wee bit of money, so I was able to kind of like 
relax, have, have a fun evening at the train, no, no tension at yeah. all. You know, it's, it's got a great old night. And uh, but for for other people, it was it was harder. But ultimately, it was no indication of how we were all going to develop. Or what it's really like. Or what it's really like, yeah. There's no idea. I mean, I suppose out of my year, there's maybe about half the year still working. God, that's that's quite a high percentage. It is quite a high percentage. Yeah, it's not bad, but about... I'd say there's about five of us that are working, you know, in a kind of like a consistent way where you kind of go, oh, yeah, I could call this my job, you know? Yeah, it's... Yeah. Do you feel that things have changed, like, in the business over the years? Yes, yes, I do. I was just thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about how how directors have changed a lot over the years. I mean, I remember starting out at the RSC, and you were it was a they were a, it was mainly men, and uh, they were quite patrician in their in their dealings with you, right? And they weren't they weren't frightened of just telling you what to do and how to do it. And that has changed a lot over the years. I mean, I just don't think you'd get a director sort of being so, you know, directorial with you anymore. It kind of comes out of a process more. Yeah. Although I have worked with some that goes, what are you doing? Oh, shit. Really? Do, do it again. God. Yeah. But, you know, you, oh, have right. have a, you have to have a... With, God, I have another paint there. Tell me all about it. <laughs> you, no, but you have to work... You have to have a, a very good relationship with a director... For something like that to happen, and I, I, you know, I respect it when that happens because I, I, I would have a very good relationship with somebody who would say that to me. Yeah. Go, well, that's amazing because I know what you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want me to do it. Like, ah, right, great, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's what it's, it, it's kind of when it gets abused, I suppose. Yeah, it, which it, you know, which happens as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and is it all? Because what I'm interested in is how certain actors deal with the darker times with the you know because we all come out there with a certain amount of confidence but underneath you know underneath the armour we're kind of of quite brittle with the rejection and knockbacks all the time and then when the work doesn't seem to flow as well yeah how do you deal with that I mean, well, do you... I'm, I'm crap at it, to be honest with you, Craig. I'm useless at it. I'm not one of these actors that's very good at sort of, you know, oh, 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 great, I've got a bit of time on my own now. I can work around the house and do stuff around it. You know, I'm useless at it. And I, and I do, I, do, I go into a funny old, you know, tense place. But it's weird because I've sort of structured my career, or if there's such a... If you can do that, by sort of trying to do work that keeps me occupied a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't do quite often the sort of hanging around and turning down loads of theatre so that so that uh, theatre will, or so that a nice big telly job will come along. I tend not to do that. <coughs> I mean, I uh, just because I know what I'm like, I get really, really bored. When I get bored, I get tetchy. Um, and then I can, you know, just, yeah, go into a bad place. Yeah. Um, and I do... You know, it was with David Mamet said that thing. He says, you know, participate. You know, if you can, participate. Don't hang out for the big jobs or whatever. Or just somebody's come along and offered you a lovely play. Okay, it's not a big Netflix series, but you know, we want you to do it. Why don't you do it? The chances are that might not happen. Exactly. You know? So what are you going to do? And that's kind of been my sort of uh, journey. I mean, have you one, always felt like that, or is that something that you've learned along the way, or learned from somebody else? Maybe it's not? insecurity. Maybe it's just a deep insecurity. Maybe I just don't, I don't have that. Maybe I'm just not secure enough to kind of go, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to do any theatre, and I'm just going to sit back and just wait for stuff to happen. You know, maybe, maybe I need <laughs> to just get stuck in and and you know do a, do a play if they come along or a long contract. You know, um, maybe that's just maybe what I need. As an actor. We're all pretty insecure, really, yeah. Oh, we are, but but you know the way people's, you know, careers go? I mean, I mean, I say to some actor friends of mine who do a lot of work on the television, I say, would you not like to do a play? And they go, I never go up for them. I mean, it never happens. And then part of me goes, well, you know, why do, you know I, I'd love to go up for more TV, but it seems to, it seems to happen for me that I do more 
theatre, or maybe we just get stuck in these ponds. Yeah, and and it's been hard to get out of them. And also, I mean, don't we, get me wrong, I love working. You know, working in the theatre, I love working. Yeah, but also you do really good stuff in the theatre. You work with you do work with brilliant people. Yeah, no, I've been really lucky. I've worked yeah. with some some terrific people. Um, but uh, I mean. I never ever. I mean, I do kind of get into that scenario of, well, that was that was my last job. Fine, that was my last job. What's the next job? Or if I'm if I'm in the middle, if I if I get a job, you know, there's that moment when you get a job and you're like, oh, I've got a job. Yeah. It doesn't take me long before I'm thinking, okay, I've got that job. What about the job after that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Always. What's that, it? What's what that is it? Mean? That you know, the first the phone rings. Well, I can't, wow, the, the massive. With massive euphoric highs, yeah. must come crushing yeah. lows. Absolutely, and you think you, your mind, your mind's got right. Okay, well, we're in. Well, that's a, that's three months sorted. Yeah, what's, what's going to happen after, after that? that? Yeah, yeah. I think or that's I'm, natural, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to, yeah, because we've been doing it for, for quite some time. We're just right, sir. not going to do any plays from now on. I've got to hang out for that thing. <laughs> oh, Lloyd, what have we done? You've bring- <laughs> Turned you down a, a nasty cul-de-sac coming on this podcast. I'm so sorry, kids. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a light Christmas this year. Well, that's, that's true though. To you know, if you have kids and you you know you're in a family, well, gotta, exactly. You, gotta, you know, I talk all the time about your priorities changing. Yeah, yeah. The that, is, you know, you can't just go off and do six months at the RSC anymore because it's not about you, is it? No, 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 no. You know, you've got kids to raise. They yeah. want to see you there. Yeah. And you have yeah. to be there. You've got to be present you, as, a, as a dad. Absolutely. I mean, I remember I remember, I was working for Out of Joint, you know, and I did a lot of work for Out of Joint over the years. I really enjoyed myself. We did some great work. But I remember I was wandering around Salisbury, Salisbury Cathedral in 2005, and I'd, I'd been to Salisbury Cathedral about three times before in years before on tour and I thought if I, if I have to go to that bloody brass rubbing centre again and do a you know there is nothing to do on tour and meanwhile my kids are at home yeah. they're growing up I talk to them on the phone every evening it just makes me sad and down that I'm not there at bath time what am I doing yeah. so I made a decision then in 2005 that I wouldn't tour I wouldn't do those big tours again because I just oh god I was just fell into a pit of depression, you know. Guilt. Guilt. I mean, I, I, if ever I'm away for a, a, a long period of time, I don't know why I'm stuttering, uh, I, the guilt sets in. Well, yeah. I'm not there for that. I can't get that back. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. you can't get it back, can yeah, you, at those times. Yeah. And because children change all the time, well, you, yeah. you weren't there when he said that sentence and he'll never say that again. That was that moment. So... Moral is, you don't want to be guilty and depressed in Salisbury. <laughs> <laughs> and go brass rubbing. And go brass rubbing in Salisbury. You just don't want that. That's not a good place to be as a jobbing actor. <laughs> with kids. <laughs> oh. But with, with... Say if you are doing a long run, do you ever get... Do you get... Because I know friends who would do theatre and, you know, they, they love it for a certain amount of time and after a bit of time, they get bored. Oh, I oh god, yeah. How do you deal? How do you deal with that? Well, I try and make other actors laugh on stage. Every- <laughs> oh god, I'm so bored of this bloody. How can I really fuck up Leslie Sharp? <laughs> 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 the thing is, up. people listen to this will think he's joking, and he's really not. <laughs> That's really not it. And it's oh sad because she is so up for it. So if you, if you love something over to Leslie, you're going to get it back with you <laughs> with interest. Um, I don't know. I mean, I did stones in his pockets for seven months, and uh, it nearly it, it nearly killed me. I was like, and there's only two of you on stage. Only there. two on stage. It was a hard evening in the theatre too. I remember arriving at the tech, and uh, I saw two costumes, two matching costumes, and I said to the stage manager, "Why have I got two costumes?" <laughs> and he looked at me and raised his eyebrows. You'll see, you know. And I was like, yeah. So you had you sweated so much in the first half. You needed a, a change, and that was seven months. My and God. It, yeah, and uh, great play, though. Great play, lovely play. Yeah. But but it was hard work, and I thought, you know. Um, Did you, you you couldn't? I mean, is it? Can you keep that fresh all the time? Seven months. Yeah. The, there was something about the the way that play was written and the, the way that play kind of was structured that, you know, it, you could kind of 
it it kept its integrity very well, you know. And also, there were so many laughs in it. Yeah, they, they were quite druggy. The laughs. <coughs> yeah, and I suppose because you both you playing so many different characters, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you had off nights like a, 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 everybody does, and I remember. Uh, we, we used to do a Thursday matinee, so you'd end up, you'd do five shows in three days, and you'd get to Saturday night in Knackered. So I'm, I'm, I knew, I, there was times, you know, we could we could take a good 12 to 15 minutes off the Thursday matinee, if we were, uh, if we were good, <laughs> you know, because there weren't that many people in and you could, you know, get it over drive quickly through it. and drive through it, you know. But, uh, but yeah, but, I mean, that, that that's why the rep system at the National is so brilliant. You can, you can be working at the National for, like, six months. Yeah. You won't be on every night, yeah. uh, which is great for family life. Mm. Uh you know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a nice gig for an actor to get, and uh, of course you still you still get him. I, I've never worked there in rep. I only worked there once for, you know, a block of a, time. a block of yeah. block of time. But you're still getting paid over the. Oh yeah, the rep you are. Time, yeah, but you, you get performance fees for every time you perform. Yeah, I'll say so. If you even that out over the course of the run, you know, then you you know that's how you can kind of work out your, what your salary is. But that time off stage is as important as the time on stage. I mean, it really, you get a time to recharge your batteries and just, you know, the play, every, I always say this to people, the play becomes an event, you know, when it, when it, when it plays in rep like that at the national, every night is special. You're not, you're not, it's not a war of attrition where you're banging out eight shows a week. Yeah. Every every night is an event. If you're doing like forty performances of a play over the course of four months, you know they're they become like proper gigs that you want to get right, yeah. you want to deliver yeah. to the audience. So that's the great thing about it, and that's great for the for the actors on stage and for the bloody paying audience. Uh, yeah, and also because it's not cheap. It's not, Things, it's not. Although, do you know what? Bearing in mind, <clears throat> the last time I went to the national, I got a ticket for fifteen pound. Also, travel next season. Which is fucking brilliant. I mean, that's one of the greatest things that's happened. And I just, tur- I just turned up on the night. Yeah. And managed yeah, to get absolutely, one. Absolutely, yeah. But then I spoke to a friend of mine who went to a press night last night at a theatre, and he thought, oh, he'd, bring, he'd come back, because it was so good, he'd come back and bring his son. And it was, you know, a hundred and something pounds, 80 pounds. I know. And I said to him, well, how can a family of four I know, afford... I know. I know, I had a right go at Michael Boyd at the RSC one time. I never right go at him, you know. <laughs> I was working for him at the time. Um, but I'd taken the kids to see Matilda in the West End. Right. Now, we didn't have much change at a 300 quid no. for that show that evening. You know, we live in London, you know. Imagine if you lived outside of London. Yeah. And I just said, I, I was, it confused me as to why a play that had been created in a subsidised venue like the RSC. Yeah was costing so much in the weather. Was there any way that you could kind of, you know, bring the, the ticket prices down a little bit? But I suppose it, it was a big cash cow for the RSA. But especially a play that is so aimed at a market, which is children. Yeah, exactly. And it was bloody brilliant. I mean, I, no. I, would, have, I, would, have, been, I would have been properly naffed off if I'd, if I'd sat there going, this is crap, what am I doing? No, but it I was know. a great evening. I know, I remember <laughs> I got tickets the other year for Susan and our little boy to go, and I, I couldn't go for some reason. Oh, where were you? Off on tour in Salisbury, were you? <laughs> I was brass rubbing on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> oh, that was my excuse, anyway. <laughs> and they went, and, and yeah, it was, it, was, it was not cheap, but they did come out, and my boy was... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it... And I thought, yeah. well, do you know what? I can't really put a price on that. Not that yeah. he's going to go to the theatre every bloody week because I can't afford that. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, there's such a big difference, you know, going to the cinema and the magic of cinema but all the magic of live theatre. I mean, you can't... Totally, totally. You can't recreate that. Yeah, absolutely not. And and it's it's like it's like, it's like drugs. I mean, I... Like, earlier this year, I did Midsummer Night's Dream at the Young Vic, had a brilliant time, but I couldn't quite get out of my head the time I saw it first when I was 17 in Belfast and the RSC had come to town with their version of, of Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, extraordinary cast. And I remember seeing Daniel Day-Lewis play Francis Flute, the bellows man there, prancing around in a white tutu. <laughs> and I just thought, he's out for every laugh he can get. This guy's having a ball, you know. And I, I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, 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 I want to do that. You know, this is great fun. 
So, you know, there's Hardy's coming out of Matilda, kind of, you know. Yeah, no, we had thought that. But that's, you see, that's what you think. You go, yeah, that's great fun, and that's what it should be. But you're going on there to play. Yeah. Sometimes I think, oh, don't forget. And, and, you know, I'm not, this is not a preachy podcast at all, but let's not forget to play. Because oh, that's God. what we all, that's we yeah. all, why we all started doing it in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. To go out and, and play. Yeah. And uh, and I hate it when it when it I feel like the barriers are, you know, being or there's, you know, handcuffs are being put on you in rehearsals, you know, or or it gets too serious. Yeah, you know, even when you're doing Oedipus Rex, you're you know, or Hamlet, you're out there to have a bit of fun. Yeah, and it's that special fun, you know, that you know that actors can have when you know it doesn't matter if they're you know. Uh, delving into the pit of their soul to dredge something up. That's the fun part. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I think I have more of a laugh doing some of the darkest stuff. Totally. And then it's quite the reverse. Then you go and do a comedy and it's like, it's all very serious, this yeah, yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Should we just line it up a bit? <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, do you ever... Do you ever think about stopping it all and going to do something else and just going, do you know what... Uh, enough's enough. I've had enough. Have you ever had enough, or is this something within you that you need? That you need to sort of feed your soul, as well as you know, pay the mortgage and put food on the table. No, I'm genuinely still loving it and enjoying it, and getting out there and enjoying doing it. And I, there's, you know, you put me in a rehearsal room with a bunch of other actors, and we've got a great play, and yeah. it's a nice setup. That to me is a great thing. I did have I did have a wobble around about two thousand and five, but I, I kind of think that was more of a life thing. You know, my uh, you know my parents had all died. You know, um, uh, and my eldest boy had been diagnosed with Asperger's, and we didn't know much about it at the time. You know, it all seemed like life was just conspiring to against me, you know? And I remember thinking, God, that, you know, how can I... I can't... I just don't have the enthusiasm to go out yeah. and do a, a big play every... It should, I just haven't got... I, what I want to do is I want to go off and join um, the... I wanted to be a tree surgeon. <laughs> I thought, that's it, I want to get out into nature. I don't know anything about trees. I don't know anything about nature. <laughs> I mean, I'm useless. Absolutely crap. But I thought, I've got to get out there and do it. Yeah. Do it. But that lasted about, that lasted the length that it's taken us to drink these pints, you know, and, and I was right back in the theatre again, and I, no, I'm still, I'm still in there. I'm still uh, determined to, 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 to do, you know, to keep working. I'm finding the fun. Finding the fun, yeah. And, and you know, you know, meeting up, creating ensembles with other actors. And yeah. It's great. When it works, it's fantastic. You know, but even sometimes when it doesn't work, you still—I've said this so many times on, on these podcasts—and I can't say it enough, really, because the great thing about what we do is we never stop learning. So even if we're in a bad ensemble or on a bad job, you go, "Well, you know what? I've still learned from this." Yeah. And it, you know, I don't—I yeah. can't work with this type of person or yeah, you've how they create, about, yeah. You know, we're yeah. forever finding our people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, you know, I mean, I mean. I've had bad experiences over the years, but it's never put me off to the extent where I'd go. No, you've uh, ma- so you've managed to sort of turn it into a positive. Yeah, in a way. That's yeah. you fucking, you've got it. Otherwise, you're just going to get down. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's so. I think sometimes it's so easy to go the other way and go. Yeah, yeah. and I think the best rehearsals are rehearsals where it's there's a positive atmosphere in the room. Yeah, and fun. And shit like that bleeds down anyway from yeah. the top. Yeah. So it all depends who's steering the ship, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Totes. Lloyd. It's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure having a lovely pint of Guinness with you. Very good. It's in the afternoon. It's uh, pint in the I afternoon. think I could just go to an insurance seminar with you and still have a good time. <laughs> Thank you so much Don't for coming. Don't put that on. about me. <laughs> <laughs> And there we go, Mr. Lloyd Hutchinson. What a bloke, what a force. It, it, look, if you've been lucky enough to see Lloyd on stage, 
certainly last year, I mean, he was all over the shop. He was in Midsummer Night's Dream at the Young Vic. He was in The Seagull at Lyric Hammersmith. He was in Salome at The National. Um, he's about to rehearse another play at The National starting now. Um, there's something about him on stage. Now, to say that he, he's got a twinkle in his eye, it's not quite right. What I think what I mean is he's, he's alive. He's, he's fizzing. Uh, with energy and sometimes it can be unpredictable and that is really fucking exciting um if you haven't seen lloyd on stage seek out where he is go and see him the guy's an absolute gem Uh, i'm sure anybody who knows him will agree uh yeah so lloyd if you're listening which you're probably not but I want to thank you so much for coming on. It was a, a brilliant way to end the year before our Christmas break. And uh, it was love to share that Guinness with you. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up because that uh, intro was really long. I'm really sorry. But next week is episode 28. And I, if you remember, at the end of last year, we recorded a, a little mid-Christmas break video and I was saying that not only this year are we talking to actors, we're talking to all sorts of creative types of people. Episode 28 is going to be one of those weeks and I'll tell you all about it on Monday. You know where to follow us, we're on Twitter, at Two Shot Pod, that's Facebook and Instagram too. If you want to email in, you can, it's at Two Shot Pod. It's not at Two Shot Pod. The email is twoshotpod at gmail.com. Every week I get that wrong. Every week. I'm sorry. We love uh, getting your emails and your messages. So do keep them coming. And uh, I'll see you next week. And try not to mess up the outro. Have a brilliant week. Wrap up warm if it's cold. Take care. Stay safe. And thank you so much for downloading and subscribing. Take care. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>